0: Luke chapter 10, if you would, this, this evening will be at the very end of the chapter. Verses 38 through 42. Sure, it's good to be here again, back at Beacon Baptist Church. I always love coming here. It always brings back good memories. I got married right here, so that's always a good reminder. And but of course, even uh, when I was dating Diana, just the opportunities to come here. So it's always a good, happy, associated memories uh, to be here at Beacon. And you guys have always been such an encouragement uh, to me and my wife and our family, uh, but also our church. And the church is doing well. God is blessing in a great way. Uh, this past Sunday for Easter Sunday, we just uh, went to uh, two services to try to accommodate some of the growth that God is providing. Uh, so God has just been a blessing. We're so thankful for your prayers and uh, for just a lot of the, the support and just encouragement that you have been since we've been there uh, almost now five years. Uh, so we're just so thankful for uh, the opportunity to be here today and uh, just be encouraged. And hope we can be encouragement to you tonight. Luke chapter 10. And uh, like I said, verse 38 is the passage this, this evening. Luke chapter 10. And in verse 38, we see Jesus is uh, traveling, and he stops and he spends time with his dear friends Martha and Mary. And we see a great lesson here for us as believers today. The Bible says in Luke chapter 10 and verse 38 Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, Dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered her, said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which which shall not be taken away from her. Let's pray, and then we'll look at this idea of one needful thing this evening. Lord, we are so grateful and thankful for the opportunity to be in your house on a, a midweek service, Lord, on a Wednesday night. We thank you for your goodness to us, and we ask you to help us as we dive into your word, Lord, as you, uh, you speak to our hearts. And Lord, just prepare the hearts this evening, Lord, that we would all uh, just take a, a moment to examine our lives and the things that we're trying to accomplish and the things that we're trying to do, and Lord, that we'd make sure that we're taking care of the one needful thing. What I ask that you would just be with us tonight, be with me as I speak. Just fill me with your spirit and help me to, to say what you'd have me to say. We love you, we thank you for the opportunity, and we thank you for your word. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What if I was to tell you tonight as we gather together, if I was to tell you that you have way too much to do on your to-do list? <laughs> How many of you have a to-do list that you work on on a regular basis? I have a a list on my phone, an app that I just, it's always rolling with things. And In the ministry, there's always things that need to be done. And sometimes Diana will ask me, did you get everything done you wanted to get done? And usually the answer is no, because there's always more to do. And if you're like me, there's just always things that I just, I think of, I put on my list. There's always things that we're trying to accomplish. But what if I was to tell you that you had too many things? Now, if someone told me that, I would probably agree with them. I think I have too many things on my list times, but what if I was to tell you that in fact only one thing should be on your to-do list? Now that sounds pretty more manageable, doesn't it? Only one thing on your to-do list. Well, really in this passage, this well-meaning sister was distracted in service and she missed what Jesus says was the one needful thing. It's not that she was doing wrong things, but in her doing of those other things, she neglected the one thing that was the most important and most vital according to Christ. And so because of that, she missed her priority. She missed on the one thing that Jesus said that we all need to partake of. In this passage, we see that the most important thing that you and I can do in our relationship with God is not our service to Him, it's not what we do for Him, but the most needful thing, the most important thing that you and I can do with our relationship with God is to simply spend time with God. All too often, we are like uh, Martha, uh, she, who is careful and troubled about many things. The Bible says there in verse 40 uh, that she was careful and troubled about so many things. Yet when the things get many, and when if you're like me, sometimes I overload my schedule. When the things sometimes get too many... It's typically the one needful thing that gets cut out the first. You know, sometimes I've seen in my life when I'm so busy, it's my prayer time that gets neglected or it's my, my Bible reading time or it's my time with the Lord that gets cut shorter and shorter. And in reality, that's the last thing that we should neglect because Jesus said it's the only thing, the one absolutely needful and vital for thing for us as believers. And if we're not careful in this life, the trivial can distract us from the vital. It was a majestic evening on Friday, October 18th in 1991. The world-class Chicago Symphony was presenting the final concert in its year-long celebration of the symphony's 100th year. For the first time in United States symphony history, the present conductor and the two former conductors of an orchestra stood on the same stage. And at the centenary celebration dinner before the concerts, patrons received souvenir clocks as a gift to recognize and to celebrate the symphony's 100th anniversary. As Daniel Barenbohm sat down on the piano and George Sulte lifted his baton to begin Tchaikovsky's first piano concerto, a great sense of drama filled the Chicago's historic orchestra hall, and the beauty of the music took over. Would have been a wonderful thing to partake of. A few minutes later, though, after the concert began, at 9.15 p.m., the music began to unravel. And out from the auditorium, a little beep sounded. Beep, 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 beep. beep, And then another, and then another, and then another. Those little beeps were sounding from all corners of that packed-out auditorium. Baron Boehm and the symphony plowed ahead, but everyone was distracted, and the music suffered. Finally, after the first movement ended, Henry Fogel, the executive director of the symphony, walked on stage and tried to explain what happened. The manufacturer of the souvenir clocks presented at the pre-concert dinner had set the alarms to go off at 9.15 p.m. right in the middle of the concert. (laughs) He said, now there was only one way to get on with the concert, and Fogel asked everyone who had one of the clocks to check them in with the usher. (laughs) How embarrassing that would be. I always get nervous that my phone's going to go off in the middle. I always, I always have to double check to make sure it's silent. How embarrassing would that be? Something trivial, something that doesn't matter at all, is distracting from the, the thing you came for, and it's causing the thing you came for to be drowned out. The, the trivial thing, the silly thing, is drowning out and impacting the vital thing. Trivial things have terrible power to disrupt what is important. And so this evening, as we look at God's Word and this interaction with Jesus and these two sisters and this family that He loves so much, are you neglecting the one needful thing? Are you letting the trivial of this world, and not even the sinful things, but just the trivial things distract you from the vital thing? We see two lessons here in our text this evening. First, we see a lesson on distractions. In verse 38, we see that Jesus is passing through the city, and the Bible says, And now it came to pass, as they went, he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. As Jesus and the disciples were traveling, uh, they stopped in a city, and they were received by this family of Mary and Martha and uh, Lazarus. Lazarus is not mentioned here in this text, but he was the brother, and this was a family that was well known to Jesus, and Jesus, He loved them as dear friends. Uh, John 11 says that he loved this family very dearly. From the Gospel of John, we know this family was near and dear to the heart of Jesus. He cared for them. He loved them. And of course, like good friends and like good family, in verse 38, we see that Martha received Jesus into her house. This this passage centers really on Martha. We see that it's she that received, and it is her house. Now, I'm sure they probably shared that house, and they all probably welcomed them in, but the Bible really focuses in on Martha because the Bible wants us, God wants to teach us something about Martha and the lesson that she learned that day. So the Bible says that she received him, and that it was her house. Now, hospitality is a wonderful trait, And every Christian is called to be hospitable, at least to a certain degree. Now, some people, they take it to another level. And uh, cooking a good meal and hosting people is like their love language. Do you know what I mean? And it almost seems like that Martha was that way. In verse 39, the Bible says, as they entered the house, Martha got busy serving and receiving and hosting. Meanwhile, her sister Mary sat at Jesus' feet. Verse 39, and she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard him. His word, the, the idea of sitting at Jesus' feet, the commentator Barnes speaks of this and says that there's the ancient posture of disciples or learners. They sat at the feet of their teachers. That is beneath them in, in the humble place. Paul hints in Acts chapter 22, Paul is represented as having been brought up at the feet of Gamaliel. When it is said that Mary sat at Jesus' feet, it means that she was a disciple of His. That she listened attentively to His instructions and was anxious to learn His doctrine. That was the the, the posture of the disciple, the posture of the learner, to sit at His feet and to soak up everything and to, to submit yourself to Jesus and His teachings. That was Mary's heart, to do that and to sit. But the Bible says in verse 40, "But Martha," Making a comparison here. While Mary was sitting and enjoying uh, Jesus and and learning from Him and being a disciple, the Bible says, but Martha was cumbered. This is the first comparison we see in this passage. The other one is in verse 42, but one thing is needful, Jesus says later. Comparing Mary's posture to what Martha was doing and what they were focusing on. The Bible says in there in verse 40, but Martha was cumbered about much serving. The word cumbered means to be to draw away or to distract. And it's the idea of to the, the use passive uh, metaphorically to be driven about mentally or to be distracted, to be overoccupied or too busy about something. Have you ever been just too busy? <laughs> in my life, I know that I've there's been times in my life where I feel like I've just been drawn away and distracted from things that matter the most. And this is what Martha was doing. In her serving and in her busyness for the Lord, it was drawing her away. It was distracted. She was doing too many things. It was distracting her from what was most important. And it's almost the idea of drawn different ways at the same time. Mary sat with Jesus, but Martha was drawn away, pulled away, distracted by her service. Now imagine with me for a moment what Martha is going through. And perhaps if you're one of those that have the the love language of, of feeding and hosting, you would understand this even more. But can you imagine how excited Martha must have been? Man, to receive Jesus into her home. And man, she just gets excited. She jumps right in. Man, she's making a big meal and she's excited to do it. Man, she's, she's whipping up the, the biscuit dough from scratch. She's preheating the oven. Uh, she's uh, cleaning up as she's going. She's she's getting ready. She's she's doing all these things. She's getting everything ready. She's running into the, the living room to make sure everybody has their drinks. And she's running back into the, the kitchen to make sure things aren't getting burnt. She's just going back and forth. She's making sure everything is okay. Hey, does everyone have a chair? Uh, uh, Peter is, uh, is uh, doing that one thing again. He's just making sure everything is okay, trying to be a good host. And you can imagine just boom, 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 being drawn away distracted from one thing or the other. Now, she's doing all of this with good intentions, right? She's wanting to serve God. She's wanting to serve Jesus and and to do something out of love for him, but it's drawing her away. Now, no no doubt, of course, in this passage, she assumes that Mary would help. Now, if you, uh, maybe you've been in a situation where you kind of get a little frustrated that someone is not helping you, and this is sometimes what I do, I find, when someone's not helping me. Perhaps I'm in the kitchen. You know, uh, and uh, I'm, I'm frustrated that someone's not helping me. And so I, uh, maybe I'm, I'm stirring or I'm washing or whatever it may be, and I sigh a little bit louder. You know that sigh? <sighs> you're, you're clinking the, the pans a little bit louder. <laughs> you're, you're closing the cupboards a little bit louder. <laughs> what are you doing, right? You're trying to get someone's attention. Right, trying to, to recognize, uh, trying to help the other person recognize that you are in here all by yourself, and hopefully they'll get the hint that they need to come over. I can imagine maybe that Martha does the same thing. I, I can just imagine at least if that was if that was Martha, that's kind of what I would be doing making more noise, drawing attention to her work and her need for help, and running back and forth between the living room, the stove, the prep counter. I can imagine Uh, maybe Martha, uh, as she goes in to deliver some food, uh, just giving that glare to Mary, trying to get her attention and trying to to show that she needs help. And man, look at this effort, look at the sacrifice that she is doing to to, uh, host Jesus. But finally, she had enough. The Bible says there in verse 40, the Bible says, But Martha was comforted about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. Finally, she reaches her breaking point, And essentially she comes and says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all of this alone? Tell her to help me. But instead of doing what she hoped Jesus would do, Jesus does something completely different. In verse 41, oh, notice Jesus' response. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha. The, the, re, the repetition of her name just makes me think of a tender and compassionate Savior He cares about this woman. Calling her by her name and repeating it expresses this intimacy and friendship and much earnestness, pitying, in a sense, her situation and circumstance. And this is what Jesus says, Thou art careful and troubled about many things. The word careful just means to be full of care, to be anxious about, and trouble is idea to be troubled or disturbed. I said, Martha, you are anxious, you are worrisome, you are disturbed about so many things. Things, But this is the second comparison in this text. Verse 42, but one thing. Earlier the scripture gives us a comparison of Mary and Martha. Verse 39, Mary sat at Jesus' feet, but Martha was cumbered. In verse 41, Jesus said, Martha was uh, worried and troubled about many, but one thing is needful. In all of Martha's activity, and all of her great service and all of her busyness and all of her, uh, the love that she put into uh, those, those uh, biscuits or whatever they had. She neglected the most important thing. Martha was rebuked, not for what she was doing, but that she neglected something more important. What Martha was doing had its place. I, for one, am very thankful for people who uh, bake goods for the pastor. Amen. <laughs> I'm thankful for, for people who have the, the gift of, of uh, kitchen hospitality. <laughs> I'm thankful for people who serve. I'm thankful for people who are busy. Every church needs everybody to serve. And there's uh, certainly service and ministry has its place in the Bible. In fact, the Bible says that God has saved us unto good works. We're we're to be busy for the Lord. And so I'm not here saying, uh, uh, coming tonight and saying that uh, we shouldn't just, uh, we should just sit down and not do anything at all. That's not what I'm saying. But notice that Jesus was not rebuking Martha for what she was doing. What Martha was doing, I think, has its place and it has its time. And I'm so thankful for people uh, that do serve in the church and that people that are active. And I think every Christian should find their place of gifting and find their place to serve but if we're not careful good things sometimes like serving can actually distract us and draw us away from to cumber us from the most important thing a businessman jim collins said it this way good is the enemy of great I think a lot of times it's not necessarily the, the sinful things that, that pull us away from our walk with God or for our, from our devotion and time with God, but sometimes it's the good things, the, the neutral things, our, our family, our, our busyness, or our job, or our schedule. We just don't make time for it. We let the, the trivial things crowd in, and all of a sudden, our, the most vital thing is the one that suffers. One morning, a farmer told his wife that he was going to go pluck the ripe fruits from his field he got off to an early start so he could warm up the truck. Obviously, he didn't live in Florida. He got off to an early start, and so when he went to warm up the truck, he, needed, he realized he needed more gas, and so he went to the store to get it. And on the way to the store, he noticed the pigs weren't fed. And so he proceeded to the corn crib where he found some sacks of feed. But beside those sacks were potatoes that were sprouting. And then he started for the potato pit. He passed the wood pile and he remembered that his wife had requested some wood for the the house. As he picked up a few sticks, an ailing chicken walked by. So he dropped the wood and he picked up the chicken. And finally, noon arrived. The frustrated farmer had not even gotten to the truck, let alone to the field. And by now it was so hot and some of the fruit's... Have, the, some of the ripe fruits have dropped <laughs> you know obviously that's a, that's a pretty extreme example but sometimes I feel like we live our lives that way in our, in our culture today, it's the, 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 uh, uh, the, the hurry that we live by to, to jump to the next thing, the next thing, whatever is the most urgent, whatever is the most loud, uh, whatever is the, 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 the squeaky wheel gets the grease right, whatever it is, and we jump to one thing from the next thing to the next thing, and we make those our priority. Meanwhile, all those good things, and we realize we didn't even start doing the thing that we set out to do in the first place. We neglected the most needful thing. We get distracted so easily. We must learn to be careful of letting the good things distract us from the best thing. So, what was the most, the one needful thing? We see number two this evening, a lesson on devotion, in verse forty-one through forty-two. Jesus wanted Martha to understand that while her serving was important, there was one thing that was vital and needful. Again, Jesus says there in verse forty-two, but. One thing. The second comparison in this text. The word needful literally means necessary. One thing is necessary. He goes on, in, in, in a sense alluding to what that one thing was, she again, he again turns to Mary and he says, And Mary hath chosen that good part. The good part the idea, the right choice, the, the good portion. said, so Martha... You're so distracted. So many things. But Mary has chosen the good thing, the right portion. She's made the good choice. In other words, what Mary chose was the one needful thing that Martha needed. To sit at Jesus' feet and to commune with him. The preacher Haddon Robinson said it this way, Don't just do something, sit there. And I think that's good advice sometimes. We get so busy doing that we forget to actually sit and spend time with our Lord. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, learning and listening as a disciple is the one vital thing for every believer. We can serve and we can be active and we can have all the things we want to on our, on our to-do list, even good things, But in a sense, if we don't get this one, we're just distracted by many things and we haven't actually done the most vital. No amount of service or no amount of activity can make up for the one needful thing. Robert Murray McShane said it this way, No amount of activity in the king's service will make up for neglect of the king himself. Now, service should flow out of a relationship. Again, we're not saying that we should not serve. So don't don't go to Pastor B on uh, Sunday and say, Well, that guest preacher said I don't have to serve. That's not what I'm saying. (laughs) Service should flow out of a relationship. Remember what Jesus said in John 15, in verse 4-5. through He said, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. So Jesus said we can't even have fruit. We can't even do anything that matters if we're not actually abiding in him. It comes from our relationship with God. Spending time with Christ is the most important part of the Christian life. And that's why God saved us. So we can have a relationship with him. Of course, we know the Bible tells us that God created us to have a relationship with Him. God's design was perfect. God created man innocent. He had a relationship with man, but sin ruined that relationship. The Bible says sin has separated us from God. But that's why Jesus came, was to restore that relationship back. The reason that we have a salvation is because God wanted to restore that relationship He wanted us to know Him and to have a relationship with Him. In fact, the Bible says in John 17, Jesus defined eternal life. He said, this is eternal life, that ye may know the Father and Jesus. Eternal life is knowing and having a relationship with God. But sometimes we we take that and we say, thank you for the relationship. Now I'm going to go do all these other things. And sometimes even in in His own name. But spending time is the most important part and the most needful thing we can do. Warren Wiersbe said, what we do with Christ is far more important than what we do for Christ. Jesus went on and he said, the part that Mary chose, which shall not be taken away from her. Discipleship and learning from Christ and communing with him is is eternally commendable. It's a choice that will never be taken away. I'll never regret spending time with God. So which is more important, service or worship? Being busy and and doing things for God or devotion and spending time with God, which is most important? One man put it this way, he said, both were true-hearted disciples. But the one was absorbed in the higher, the other in the lower of two ways of honoring their common Lord. Yet neither despised or would willingly neglect the other's occupation. The one represents the contemplative, the other the active style of the Christian character. A church full of Mary's would perhaps be as great of an evil as a church full of Martha's. Both are needed each to be the complement of the other. In other words, some of us have a, maybe a greater lean towards one or the other. Some of us are more contemplative. We enjoy uh, to think and to, to sit and to, to really contemplate. Others maybe are more busy and are, have, they have the gift of service. But the Bible says that we need both. And in fact, in Revelation chapter 2, if there is all service but no devotion, there's emptiness. In Revelation chapter 2, Jesus is writing to the church at Ephesus, and he says, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, and now thou cannot bear them which are evil, and hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, has patience, and for my name's sake hast labored and hast not fainted. He said, He's he's commending them on all their works and all their service to him. This church was full of Marthas in a sense. But he says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love church full of Mary's, a church full of service, but without the love and the devotion to Christ is empty. And Jesus said, remember therefore whence thou art a fallen and repent and do the first works or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. A few things Wearsby said is, is damaging to the Christian life as trying to work for Christ without taking time to commune with Christ. Service is and devotion are both important. God has called us to do both. But the order is important. We can try what we want to, to, to serve without having communion with Christ and to serve without having to spend time with Christ. But Jesus said if we don't abide in him, we, cannot, we can't do anything. And although works are really not going to be fruitful, they're not going to, to be eternal, we must do the needful thing first, and that is to spend time. Make time to sit at Jesus' feet. It is the one thing on every believer's to-do list. And everything else, just bonus. In her book, A Practical Guide to Prayer, a lady named Dorothy Haskin tells about a noted concert violinist who was asked the secret of her success and mastery of the instrument. The the woman answered the question with two words. She said, planned neglect. Neglect. Then she explained, there were many things that used to demand my time. When I went to my room after breakfast, I made my bed, I straightened my room, I dusted, I deemed whatever seemed necessary. And then when I finished all those things, I did, then I turned to my violin to practice. That system prevented me from accomplishing what I should do on the violin, and so I reversed things. I deliberately planned to neglect everything else until my practice period was complete. And the program of planned neglect is the secret of my success. Perhaps you, in your life tonight, could do with some planned neglect. Service is, is great, but neglect it until you've sat with Christ. Sit with Jesus first, commune with Him, and devote time with Him. In all of our business in this life, often the very first thing we neglect is our time with the Lord. A third of Americans who attended a Protestant church on a regular basis, according to a LifeWay research study in 2019, said that they uh, read their Bible personally every day. So only a third of Protestant believers. Around a quarter, 27%, 27% said that they read it a few times a week and 40% once a week or less. Now, the Bible reading is, is not the only measure of our time with God, but I think that's an important part. And so, no wonder, perhaps in this culture today, we are us as believers are kind of like Martha, cumbered and careful and troubled. And I'm not saying just by picking up a Bible and reading it's going to magically take away of our cares and troubles in this life. But surely, there's a peace that we can have when we spend time at the feet of Jesus. Charles Wesley penned these words: "Lo, I come with joy to do my Master's blessed will; him and outward works pursue and serve his pleasure still." Faithful to the Lord's commands, I still would choose the better part. Serve with careful Martha's hands and loving Mary's heart. So tonight, are you neglecting the one needful thing? Are you letting the trivial distract you from the most vital? Let's pray and ask for God's help. God, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for coming to this world and dying on the cross for us so that we can have a personal relationship with you. Lord, it's so easy in this life for us to be distracted, drawn away from things that are just trivial, from things that really just don't matter in the grand scheme of things. Lord, some of these things are good and, and they do matter, but we're not having the, we don't have the right priorities. So Lord, Lord, help us to not neglect what's most important. Lord, help us to each, each of us take time each and every day to spend that time of communion with you. We thank you so much for the example we've seen you reward tonight. Help us now in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. On behalf of everyone at Beacon Baptist Church, we thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that your heart and life has been impacted through the biblical truths of this message. If you have questions or would like more information, please contact us through our website at Church. Dot .org that's beaconbaptistchurch.org may the lord bless you